This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following segment is from the Off Day Debrief on the SB Nation NFL Show, where we're discussing your favorite team. Subscribe to the SB Nation NFL Show to make sure you don't miss conversations like this one. Jake Mendo with us, co-host of the Finsider Podcast. Covers the Miami Dolphins for us here at SB Nation. What's up, Jake? Hey, guys. How are we doing today? Thanks for having me on. Okay. I feel like there's a lot of different ways to go here with this deal. Um, There's two parts of it because you've got, one, the ability to acquire picks or trade picks, and two, your confidence in your general manager, your head coach, whoever it is, to actually make the picks. The Dolphins now have a massive stockpile of draft picks. They've got two first-rounders this year. They've got two first-rounders in 2023. You are loaded. Scale of 1 to 10, your confidence in your team to turn those picks into really good players. Oh, man, we're talking about a franchise that hasn't won a playoff game in 20 years, so I don't know if I can be too, too confident. I mean, I'm very excited. Uh, Don't get me wrong, but we're reaching a point where those picks have to quickly become players. Uh, you know, the rumors, or the sayings around this trade is, you know, we're speeding up the rebuild. The Dolphins are, are getting to where they have to be. Well, in theory, yes. But until, you know, the first round picks of Noah Igbenogany, 30, 30th overall last year, uh, 18th overall Austin Jackson, until these guys become cornerstones of the franchise, I'm not sure we can say that we're hitting the home runs yet. But you have to love what they're doing overall. Um, you're maintaining that flexibility for this year and, and two years into the future. Uh, you might be looking a little too far ahead when you're talking about picks in 2023, but you'd rather have them than you don't. Uh, Stats is asking you, Jake, here about confidence in DM and, and all that. I, I want to. I had the first question I've written down on my on my sheet here is, what's the confidence level in Tua going into 2021? Uh, for the Dolphins, I think it has to be a, a 10, and I think they've said everything publicly. I'm probably sitting where I think he could be the guy. I, I'd love to say that I'm confidently an eight. Uh, on that scale, and, and it's really refreshing this uh, generation of the Miami Dolphins, uh, this organization led by Brian Flores and Chris Greer, because what we're seeing with guys like Shaq Lawson and uh, Kyle Van Noy, guys they're trading one year after signing them, is those completely back their guys until they don't. You know, it's not something that builds up over time. There's never any uh, issues that grow into things that that are larger than they should be. Uh, this is an organization that if you're wearing a Dolphins uniform, you're going to be their guy no matter what. Um, obviously, the Watson rumors, drafting a player, uh, drafting quarterback were both rumored. But I think at the end of the day, I think they were planning on sitting with Tua. Uh, I think it's a little too early to start shuffling in and out of quarterbacks when you have this much draft capital to not wait, you know, two, three years, which is a little unique after 10 years of the Ryan Tannehill. Is he going to be good? Is he not going to be good? That was the staple of Miami Dolphins, Twitter, Miami Dolphins, everything for 10 years was what is Ryan Tannehill. So we don't want to go too far on the other side of the spectrum, but I think they, uh, and I think the fans as well want to see at least two, three years out of them before making any uh, solidified decision. I was not blown away with Tua last year, but I also fully admit I didn't see every snap the guy took. 
What just quickly give me kind of the things that Tua does well and the areas that he struggled last year. God, it's so it's such a tough situation to be in because you want to defend this guy. Everyone loves him. And his first snap in the NFL was a fumble that the Rams recovered, I believe. And then, uh, you know, you have Justin Herbert going absolutely bananas. So it is a very tough hole that you have to try to defend. But, you know, you just kind of got to look at the fact that everybody was comparing this guy to Drew Brees. Again, I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be Drew Brees, but just the, the ability to see a field uh, is second to none when it comes to talking about Tua. I think he needs a little more help at the receiving core. I think he needs to be a little more instinctive on his decisions. We know he can do it. It's just not being gun shy at the NFL level. I think, you know, recovering from the hip surgery, uh, here I go, Ryan Tannehill all over again with excuses. But it, it is what it is where uh, coming off the hip surgery, he didn't have a full offseason with the team. Uh, Preston Williams was one of his favorite guys his first couple of weeks. He got hurt. Uh, Mike Gesicki missed games. Devontae Parker missed games. So it just was a lot of inconsistencies. I just want to see that routine really happen for a year. And obviously, I'm not saying everyone's going to be healthy. That would be outrageous to think that a football team's going to go through a year without injuries. Uh, but just a little more routine out of him, I think, is going to do a whole lot of good, especially with the signings of Will Fuller. Number six here is looking like a receiver. So th- those are really strong indications that he should really have that swing back year as a sophomore campaign. I want to get to number six, what you just mentioned, but one last thing on Tua slash the quarterback situation for me. Um, so one thing I've been wanting to happen selfishly, maybe because I want him out of the NFC, I'm sure stats wouldn't mind if he left the NFC West. Uh, we've talked about, you know, Russell Wilson getting traded mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm guessing it wouldn't be this off season for the Dolphins. I, I don't know that that makes sense right now at this point, um, but you're talking about Tua and maybe, you know, giving him a couple of years. What if it's another season where like, the team is really good around him, but he's kind of just okay or like not quite good enough. He's almost like Jimmy Garoppolo, let's say. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like he's fine or, or you're maybe able to win, but like you can't get over the hump with him. Is there a point because the Dolphins have these picks that like they should pivot? And is there any interest in a Russell Wilson trade or, or another veteran quarterback down the line? Do you think that could come sooner than later if Tua doesn't really uh, like solidify himself here? I think a lot of it really is going to come down to this season. I know that's being very results oriented, but that's kind of the situation we're in, especially when we look at the trade that just, or the trades that just happened, uh, specifically the 2022 picks, the Dolphins believe they're going to be better than the 49ers. They did a pick swap there uh, in, in the midst of everything. So say, let's say that the 49ers struggle. Let's say they're a top, they get a top five pick just for the sake of this argument. The Dolphins, let's say they go 10 and six again. They somehow miss the playoffs again at 20 and six. 10 and 6 break a record for being the team to miss the playoffs at 10 and 6 for the most times. Um, you really have to have that conversation. And a big part of me is wondering if those two picks in 2023 that the team currently has, I have a feeling they're not going to be using both of those. I have nothing to really base that on, but whether it's for Tua or upgrading the quarterback position, seeing that you have a road that can get you to a upgrade at quarterback, or if it's just using that pick next year to uh, – whatever, move up in the draft, sign more premier players. Uh, There is that little bit of wiggle room that I think the Dolphins will be able to transition from Tua if they have to, but I don't think that's really on on the track right now for what the Dolphins are playing. So they move down to 12 for about 10 minutes, and then they move back up to get to six. That leads me to believe that they have a specific person that they want at six, and they're looking at the draft, and they think, you know, 
the first four picks at least are going to be quarterbacks. So they're like, hey, we can sit at six. Or we're going to have our choice basically of the best non-quarterback in this draft. Who do you think they want at six? When they were sitting at three, I heard a lot of Jamar Chase. I heard a lot, a lot, a lot of Jamar Chase. Uh, but it's a, there, there's a couple things that really stick out to me when it comes to these trades. And first and foremost is why is it happening now? You know, when I was writing up the stories about these two trades, uh, we're still a month away from the draft. Why, why do this now? I'm sure if you tried to do this a little closer, I'm not saying draft night because pulling off two trades would be a uh, little bananas trying to get that done while drafting players. Uh, but I wonder if there's another move coming. If the Dolphins thought they could get this done, I believe they had three different offers up for that third overall pick. Uh, so you, you wonder that they obviously knew sitting at 12, they weren't going to be able to get one of those guys uh, that they wanted. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the fact they need to start getting players. It would be great to have two first round picks in each of the next four years, but you need to turn those into something other than a, a nice offseason story. Uh, so you, you wonder if there's something else coming from this team. They've really thrown a lot of curveballs so far this offseason. And, and in reality, since Chris Greer has taken over, since Brian Flores has taken over, that's really how it's been, starting with the Laramie Tunsil trade that really began all this. And in, in the even bigger scheme, this really all started with the trade with the Dolphins and Eagles back in 2016 that involved uh, Kiko Alonso and Byron Maxwell going to the Dolphins for a pick swap. Uh, then Tunsil fell to 13, where the Dolphins were drafting in spot of the Eagles, and the rest was really all history there. All right, so let's say Jamar Chase isn't there at number six because there's like more buzz that he's actually going to go to the Bengals at number mm-hmm. five because Joe Burrow has really been pushing for that. I think Albert Breer said that, and that's that was cited and part of why the Eagles um, moved down is because they thought maybe Jamar Chase wouldn't make it to them at six. So my question for you is like, who, who do you want really, or, or who do Dolphins fans really want at number six there, assuming Chase isn't available? And do you think that player, whoever it is, is really worth trading back up from 12 for, you know, as opposed to like, maybe you could have just gotten that guy, or maybe there's a similar talent still at 12. Right. You know, if you, if you're taking Smith at six, then you get Waddle at 12, or you really, you're not going to be mad, especially when you look at those picks down the road. Uh, But I think it's a sign of urgency from the team. I I wish I had a better way to explain this. I always use Madden ratings just because it's easy to get across. Um, I think when you're drafting in that top 10, I think you have a really good chance at hitting a, let's say, a player who's going to come and be an 85 overall right away and really not have those rookie hiccups. But then when you get to, you know, 10 to 20, and even so, of course, you can find someone in any part of the draft who's going to come in and be amazing. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, but for the sake of consistency, for the sake of the high percentage shot, I think what you're doing at six is getting your best opportunity to get someone who can come in right away because you can't have someone who's going to need six weeks of the NFL season to get ready. You know, we were just talking about how Tua's clock is ticking. Uh, It's ticking for every quarterback in the NFL, but you can't really make more excuses of, well, you know, it took uh, Jalen Waddle, you know, I'm not saying this is going to happen. It took him six weeks to really find himself. So we didn't see this full workload. If it was more his fault, if it was Tua's fault, yada, yada, yada. Uh, For me, I, if Chase is gone, I think Smith and Pitts, I, I really have them kind of neck and neck right now. Uh, something that really interests me about Pitts is the fact that Mike Kosicki played the third most snaps out of the slot last season, caught the third most balls out of the uh, slot last season. So you could really wind these two guys up on the field and have no problem. Even before that, I mean, the Patriots did it for 10 years, having the two tight end system uh, just run run up and down the court field, excuse me. Um, and then the thing that interests me about Smith, you know, the team just signed Will Fuller. I think uh, Smith would be a great 
combination with them. And Peter King recently said that now that the Dolphins have that sixth spot, they know who's going to be available. They might try to move on from one of the receivers, and Devontae Parker might be that guy. And that kind of made me perk my eyebrows for a minute. But this is a team who is roughly $6 million over the cap right now after they sign their draft picks. Uh, trading Devontae Parker will save about $4 million. And if I put my mad scientist hat on here for a second, the Dolphins have 18th overall pick. Devontae Parker could be the difference of moving back up. Say a Waddle still falls to 12, or, you know, somewhere in that range. I think Devontae Parker could be that deal sweetener that could make you get that jump, especially when you look at Parker having two years left on his contract, $10 million each year. That is not a lot of money for a receiver of his caliber. I love what you said about how, like, it's great to have the picks, but eventually you've got to turn them into players. And I couldn't agree more because I look at the AFC East and I think that they are the only division in the NFL where the arrow is definitely pointing up for every single team in the division. And it's going to be a meat grinder in the AFC. It's like they got to nail these picks because the Jets have a ton of picks. And I think they have a good GM and a good coach. The Patriots reloaded this year. The Bills obviously are really good with Josh Allen. Like Miami can't miss on too many of these because there's competition in the AFC East like we haven't seen in a long time. And it's, it's a little nerve-wracking because before the draft last year, I thought that this could go one of two ways. We could be sitting here about how Chris Greer is the king of Miami, or we could be sitting here in five years talking about how this excuses, you know, the pandemic, we couldn't get out to see the right guys, and, and that's why we didn't win, not the fact that we just picked the wrong guys. So it is a very tight, tight rope this team is walk, uh, walking right now. Despite having all these chances, there really isn't a lot of room for error, which is a really unique situation to be in, it. mostly because, like you said, the AFC East, I mean, you could see uh, the, the Jets might be a year. They could come out and surprise everyone. But there's going to be at least three teams competing uh, at the top of that division. Uh, I mean, I hope. Jake, a lot of Eagles fans listen to this podcast, uh, if you didn't know. Because uh, I'm on it. Because <laughs> I'm a big deal. Uh, not the setup I was looking for. Anyway, uh, where do you think the realistic range is for next year's first-round pick for the Dolphins, the one that they're giving up to the Eagles? Um, like, what, what do you think the floor outcome is, like the worst-case scenario realistically, and then best-case realistically? Uh, so there's a joke I always make about the Dolphins, and you know I mentioned them not winning a playoff game in so long. I like to call them in the hunt because they're always that team that come you know, mid-November, they're on that graphic, having a record of like six and seven. It's like, they're still in the hunt. They just need to win all their games. These four other teams need to lose. So <laughs> I, I think, you know, worst case for the Dolphins, you're looking at this team just completely falls apart. Uh, the Brian Flores hype completely simmers down. That defense doesn't really have that special sauce it had. The turnovers aren't happening at the alarming rate that they were this year. And that was a top 10 pick. You know, I don't know if they'd be as bad as, as a top five, but if the chips fall the worst way possible, I can see the Dolphins being the seventh, eighth worst team in the NFL. And, you know, then for a four, I'd say it's probably that in the hunt range, somewhere between 10 and 20, probably closer to 15 to 20 is what I'm expecting it to be at. Um, you know, I'd like to say, you know, you got the 32nd pick overall. Sorry. Good luck with that. But <laughs> obviously that's not really going to be the case. So, yeah, I'd say somewhere right around 18 where the Dolphins are picking this year. I, I can't see them being much worse than they were last year. And 10 and 6 is, is a hard record to improve on. So right around that 18th spot seems about right. Jake, thank you very much for the time. You can hear Jake on the Finsider podcast. He is on Twitter at jmendel94. We appreciate it. Good luck to the Dolphins. And uh, we appreciate you having me on. Oh, oh BLG shaking his head. See, no, not, not good luck to the Dolphins. I need that pick to be good, baby. <laughs> that is just mean. Hopefully we can do it again soon, Jake. 
Absolutely. This was fun. Thanks for having me, guys. You can hear the rest of this conversation by subscribing to the SB Nation NFL Show wherever you get your podcasts.